This is eSports Today with Rob Zachney and Andrew Gruen. Welcome to this edition of eSports Today for February 2nd, 2016. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, alongside Andrew Gruen, here to cover the latest news and events in eSports. On today's show, we'll be taking a look at the latest development threatening to undermine professional StarCraft II in Korea as one of its most celebrated figures was taken into police custody. We'll also be taking a look at the results of the Mars TV Dota 2 League as Evil Geniuses tries again to win a finals match. But first, there are some interesting off-the-field issues in League of Legends that have emerged in the last week. First, the Daily Dot reported this week that Martin Shkreli, uh, best known for increasing the cost of life-saving medicines and buying that one Wu-Tang album, <laughs> uh, was shockingly not a model of uh, League of Legends team owner. According to some good reporting from the Daily Dots, Jacob Wolf and Kevin Morris, uh, Shkreli owes about $75,000 in back pay to some of his former players and staff. Okay, uh, so wait, like, I, I know that, that LCS teams uh, in League of Legends have like at least a portion of their, their operating costs that are guaranteed by Riot Games. Like they, they, they're sort of subsidized by, by the corporate owner of the League of Legends Pro Circuit. Uh, it's not a ton of money, um, and the pay scale in North America for these players that have become big seems to have kind of significantly outstripped uh, the, those baselines that Riot established, but it's like, like it's something. Um, so like I'm wondering, like, do, do the people on Shkreli's old teams, like are they getting paid at all? at all or they were they left completely out in the lurch were they getting any of that riot money uh no they wouldn't have been getting any money from riot because uh Shkreli invested in lower tier teams so mm. the uh, so mm-hmm. the lcs is kind of the pinnacle of, of pro league of legends and that's where you find a lot of protections and guaranteed money uh below that is the challenger series which is basically like the top level of the minor leagues in in hockey Challenger series would be like the AHL, or in baseball, it'd be AAA ball. Sure, uh, sure. Most of the Challenger series tier teams have become really professional operations in their own right. Like a couple of years ago, it was kind of the advanced amateur scene. Uh, now, the kind of teams you find in uh, the Challenger tier are kind of like professional organizations in their own right, and, that, and that's because that's that's kind of what it takes now to to move up into the LCS. Sure. So, so Shkreli invested in one of those. No, because this is Martin Shkreli we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really, really sound like like him. Uh, nobody who basically films himself on a cell phone making a disc tape aimed at Ghostface Killer yeah. is going to be uh, super yeah. professional about esports. Uh, so, so where did where did he go to invest? Uh, so he he kind of went to the amateur tier, uh, at least to start. So these are teams that were fighting to reach that challenger level. And according to the Daily Dot, it was kind of one debacle after another for Shkreli and his teams. Uh, his his first team didn't make any progress, so he bought a challenger team and brought in a well-regarded coach. And they still didn't make it into the LCS. Uh, so then he just kind of ghosted Mm. (laughs) he just kind of ghosted them uh and went over to the eu lcs and kind of (laughs) did the same thing there but what's interesting here is that below the top level of esports a lot of the business seems to run on the hope that people will do the right thing uh Mm. because the amounts of money involved are are pretty uh pretty small uh so shkreli owes seventy five thousand dollars but he owes seventy five thousand dollars to like 10 or 12 people is the way it sounds. Uh, And so, you know, when you break it down like that, like 4,500 in back pay matters, might matter a lot to like a semi-pro player. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
but and you and I are freelancers. Like we we've yeah. actually been in situations <laughs> like this. Uh, a lot of the amounts that people will screw you over, uh, you know, it will hurt, but it's still not an amount that's really worth going to court over. Right. Um, right. But I mean, you know, the the LCS isn't immune from any of this. Uh, last year, there was that awful uh, Meet Your Makers debacle, where mm. one of the team executives was was sort of bullying one of the the players uh, on the team into honoring a, a bad contract uh, by claiming oh that he would sue the player's mom, <laughs> and he would then, because he'd win in court, he would get the court to award the team uh, the dude's mom's house. <laughs> So you you had a contract negotiation that you ended with me. I'm gonna take your mom's house. Oh my god, I didn't hear about that. Oh yeah, it was it, it was super embarrassing. Um, and I, and I think maybe you know at the time I kind of wondered if Riot ever sort of had regrets about make, creating that uh one one team one owner rule. Uh, sure, but sure. but it's it's funny to to see that among the very top teams you have some pretty serious deals uh being done with significant contracts lucrative sponsorships etc uh but as you leave that that sort of top top level you really quickly end up back in classic esports uh wild west uh sketchy territory sure, sure. um i guess what's changing is the fact that you know, now this stuff is getting noticed and reported mm-hmm. on more, uh, which is probably going to make behavior a little better uh, because now, like, word about that stuff gets out a little faster. Reputations are ruined a little faster. Uh, but nevertheless, like, these stories really point out how vulnerable players are at lower tiers of competition. Yeah, you know, that 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 term you use, the Wild West, is really like it's it's very much like we're slowly colonizing esports with respectability uh, and, and, and protections for all the people who is both both whose money is involved in this and whose time and labor is going into this and deserve to be paid for the for what they do. Um but like even even the like there's still these these areas of esports, even at the very top level, which are completely unruly in a lot of ways. Like um even those like elite level teams that we've been talking about seem to have trouble getting their shit together about like really basic stuff. Um, so like, for example, this week we had a bunch of substitutes and trades popping up across League of Legends because a bunch of key players were ineligible to play because they didn't have valid visas, you know, right? Like, and this even happened with with Froggen at, at Echo Fox in North America, which is a, a region where pro gamers can get an athletic visa and on a team with some really significant investment behind it. Um, like like a whole team, full team's worth of players sat out the week because they didn't have valid papers. Yeah, and that's that's another hard thing to solve. Um, so Bryce Bloom, who's who's a lawyer who's sort of cultivated a reputation as an expert in, in esports law. I think on Reddit he sort of goes by the esports lawyer, uh, and he chimes in on a lot of issues like this. And he wrote a piece for ESPN explaining that, you know, according to Riot's ruling about the Echo Fox situation, where they actually made Echo Fox forfeit a game mm-hmm. uh, because they couldn't they couldn't they they couldn't uh, present legitimate papers and they didn't have a substitute ready. Um, in that ruling about that forfeit. Uh, Riot were kind of admitting to the fact that they've they've taken a don't ask, don't tell policy towards immigration paperwork. <laughs> uh, and then this year, this year, like reading between the lines, it kind of sounds like some of the teams started narking on each other. <laughs> uh, like that's kind of how this blew up is suddenly you've had teams sort of like saying, hey, 
you know, check these guys' papers. I don't think I don't think they can compete this week. And that's kind yeah. of, that's I suspect because you have some teams who who have you know dotted all the i's, crossed all the t's, and know their papers are legit. And so now that you know, and that's a pain in the ass. So now they're getting really you know aggressive about making sure everyone else is doing the same stuff. Yeah. And Riot have with teams making complaints like this, uh, it seems like Riot had no choice but but to get a lot stricter. Um. But that's But I do I do think that there's like there's so much on the line for for these teams that I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them to just look for any reason to notch a win in their column even if it is on a technicality or or on a forfeiture or something like that. Like that's not too far fetched. No, no, it really isn't. Um you know, especially cuz there's just a lot of teams don't want to find themselves anywhere near that 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 bottom tier, right? Like Absolutely. If, if in a in a close fought season uh, even a good team can find itself dangerously close to ending up in relegation matches. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it makes sense that people that the teams would start sort of uh, scrapping at this level, but that's created a problem uh, because this is all happening right now, and it's an especially tough issue in Europe because Germany, uh, where where EULCS is hosted every week. Germany, I don't think, recognizes esports as a valid career. Okay, uh, I remember sure, last yeah. year. Uh, last year, I did some articles on uh, sort of the the then the brand the then brand new uh, Fnatic roster, mm-hmm. and I was talking to some people at Fnatic, and they were telling me that you know, uh, basically up until like the week before the season started in 2015, uh, they were basically terrified that they wouldn't be able to field a team. You're kidding? No, they because they because the thing is they. The the issue was two of their players were Korean, Huni and Rainover. Right. And so everyone else I gather like, you know, sort of had EU paperwork and it was fine. There there, there wasn't a big issue. Uh but Huni and Rainover didn't really have the right paperwork. And I the, the impression I got was they were actually denied in Germany. Uh that that their first attempt was basically denied and German authorities were like, no, they, they we're not granting a visa for this. Uh and the impression I got was they, they basically had to do it through uh the UK because Fnatic is technically a UK organization. Right. Right. Uh so they did it through the UK and acquired paperwork for Huni and Rain over there. But even then, there was sort of a subtext uh that Fanatic may have had to get a little creative about how it described uh, Hooney and Rainover as employees uh, on the immigration <laughs> forms. Uh, so I don't think I don't think, as far as like the the British immigration services were were concerned, I don't think like I don't think the British authorities were aware that like they were brought in to be top and jungle. Uh, I suspect they had different <laughs> job titles, uh, but. Uh, so, sure, you know, what, sure. what What Bloom pointed out in his ESPN article, though, is, is that so Riot had to have known this was an issue for the last year or so. You know, you got a team like Fnatic last year having these issues. Uh, you had players blatantly gaming the tourist visa system in order to compete. Uh, and that led to a couple disasters, like when uh, EU LCS went to Wembley Stadium. And that was a week where suddenly none of the Gambit team were eligible to compete uh, <laughs> because that's that's something that only happens really if the paper the papers aren't in order. Uh, yeah. So so for all of this to blow up three weeks into a brand new season uh, after teams made roster decisions like months ago is is kind of embarrassing and also it's going to be difficult to solve now because you're you're dealing the season is only ten weeks long, like 
you know, how fast does your average immigration department at, at a country work? Uh, not that fast. Like we're, we're three weeks yeah. into the season. You got seven weeks. I don't think I can get a new passport. I don't think I can get a passport replaced in seven weeks. So I don't know how you're going to solve this sort of on the fly. Yeah, this is just one of these ever-present things in esports that you just you have to to learn to deal with is that sometimes your favorite team just won't show up to an event even though they were supposed to because for some because of some kind of bureaucratic reason where they're not allowed to go in physically into the country where they need to go to compete because the government doesn't recognize their career. Uh, it's a really it's a really bizarre thing, and then it, for some reason it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon i i always assumed that this was something that this was a relic uh from like 2010 2011 era esports but here we are in 2016 and we're still dealing with all of these things well i mean you know it's, it's funny like a lot of there's a lot of new jobs that just aren't ex- that, that aren't recognized under sure. immigration law like you know I, I talked to uh some friends of mine who who work in game development in the united states and and, and they're not from here uh they're from abroad and a lot of them are under work visas for a different job uh because oh, really? when, yeah when the regulations were drawn up like no game industry jobs uh were, were things that really existed on a significant scale and so the entire like immigration system with regard to that is basically just everybody not really looking too hard into things yeah uh, that yeah. a lot of people get jobs described as like graphic designer because the immigration like because ins recognizes uh graphic design but it doesn't recognize mm-hmm. game design sure uh but sure. hey games have graphics so why why not <laughs> um and so that's the kind of thing that you, that you see done in the u.s uh and I, I can imagine that's only a lot more difficult when you're dealing with something as new as esports where you don't even have those kind of traditional informal arrangements yes yeah, uh, to get yeah. around stuff like that uh north america at least has the athletic visa option but obviously that hasn't been sort of a panacea here and uh you know in germany obviously that that option doesn't even exist so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this uh this this plays out because you have basically a number of really key players now uh being filled in their roles being filled in by subs and uh i i can't say i've ever seen anything quite like it in an lcs season where you just have now uh, teams doing like increasingly long-term loan arrangements with other teams. Uh, it's made it really interesting and, and really chaotic in the in the LCS. So unfortunately, the uh, the issues with uh, Martin Shkreli and the visa issues uh, these aren't the only only scandals that we have to talk about this week. As this week, legendary StarCraft II pro uh, Life was taken into police custody, presumably for uh, match fixing allegations. Uh, Rob, you wrote a story on this uh, over at Kotaku this week. What's what's going on here? You know, we don't know a ton, but I, I mean, what, what, what's going on is that we, we have never been more sad about StarCraft, I, I think, uh, th- than we are this week. Um, so this all happened, like, Friday morning. Uh, and this, the, the news broke. It would have been the end of the day on Friday uh, in Korea. And all anyone knew was that life had been taken into custody at a prosecutor's office. It sounds it sounds like the sort of thing where like a warrant was issued and he had to, he had to present himself to it to sure. uh, the DA uh, basically. Um, and right. so, so no so no daring midnight raid into life's house to like take him away in the bracelets. No, I, I, I don't. I don't think they broke this guy's. Precinct. I don't think they broke this kid's door down. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think. I, I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they busted his ramp, as it were. Um, but 
so we didn't know what what it was really all about, but what what was clear from the start was uh, this is the same uh, prosecutor's office that handled uh, last year's prime uh, match fixing scandal. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it sounds like now because they they released a statement, they confirmed that these these new charges against life are related to the previous scandal. So that is an ongoing okay. investigation. So you know that the whole prime thing, which we thought was over isn't in fact over and that is continuing to develop into a a larger match fixing scandal uh what we now know uh was clarified this week was that life was charged uh for uh receiving money uh to fix matches so the implication is not that life was throwing matches or anything like that but it's very much a savior uh, so it's very much a savior situation what i mean by that is I'm talking about the the old Brood War uh, match-fixing scandal that kind of blew that scene apart, right, where you had right. one of the best Zerg players in the world, uh, Savior, uh, sort of revealed as this uh, ringleader and go-between uh, between gamblers and players to, to rig matches. And that appears to be what they're saying that life was involved in, that he took money uh. and he brokered deals. Um which is kind of like you know it, it, it's a little bit I guess what you what you'd expect right like a guy like Life doesn't need to throw match and his matches yeah. and he wouldn't but there's a lot of struggling StarCraft players and there's a lot of uh, second or third rate tournaments that are still you can still bet on them going to places like Pinnacle yeah. Sports like they're 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 all bettable uh, but they're tournaments where nobody like a lot of these tournaments are going to be smaller affairs right they're gonna be less. Less eyeballs on them, uh, less less regulation. Uh, so while we did, the, there are suspicious pro league matches uh, that have happened from time to time. Uh, there's also just a lot of opportunities for for match fixing at uh, you know tournaments that don't quite rise to the level where a lot of a lot of us like fans like you and I would would, yeah. would even tune in. Yeah, uh, and so like for people who don't really know uh, who Life is, like Life is probably the best StarCraft player of the last two years. Uh, he's, he's certainly the most consistent. He's been the world champion. He was world champion in 2014, and he was the runner-up in 2015 as well at the, at the BlizzCon yeah. World Championship. So, like, a, an incredibly accomplished player there. I don't think that you could come up with a, with a more prominent name uh, in Korean StarCraft than Life right now, with this, uh, the exception of maybe innovation. Um, but so the other really interesting thing about Life that applies to this story is that Life is only i think 16 years old you know this is a this is a child we're talking about he just, here really he just turned 19 he just turned 19 yes uh, he turned 19 and, i thought yeah no like time flies yeah, he won his first gsl when he's 15 uh mm-hmm. now he's now he's a 19 year old kid uh but yes when all this went down he was an 18 year old uh we we are dealing with a kid yes Kid, not a child, but a kid at the very least. Um, but like, it, it's one of these cases where this potentially very foolish mistake by by like like you said, a kid could become like. You know, at any point, does this become the death knell for StarCraft Two? Like all of these scandals, like over and over and over again. Uh, is is there a, is there a point where StarCraft actually really is impacted by this, or is this just another case where? Starcraft has already weathered so many storms that this is just another standard controversy. Certainly, if you look at some of the fan reaction, the sky is falling, and it is <laughs> it is really upsetting. Like to have a player yeah. like Life implicated in this stuff is really this is a total like shoeless Joe like say it ain't so yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Like 
Uh, this is a player who, you know, is, is sort of at the center of some of my absolute favorite esports memories, right? Like his yeah. his duel with MVP uh, when he won his first GSL and denied MVP his his uh, five time trophy, uh, his unlikely run in 20, uh, 2014, and his near, near miraculous title defense in, in twenty fifteen. Yeah. Uh, these were these were great stories, and uh, you know, as a guy who's covered life for a couple of years and had a few interviews with him. Uh, you know, I've always liked him because he's one of those Korean pros uh, who is a good interview and actually sort sure. of will answer the question you were really answering as opposed to getting super literal sure, and sure. not speaking to you. So, like, you know, there's there's a lot of reasons that, that I like a guy like Life. Um, as to what this means for the community, it's it's harder to say. What it, Brood War never really recovered uh, after that match fixing scandal like it brought the game into some disrepute but the game's day was also passing pretty rapidly uh, by yeah. that point uh so it was kind of uh, you know i don't know how the degree to which it, it sort of fired a torpedo into a scene that was already maybe getting a little long in the tooth but you definitely can say long in the tooth about starcraft 2 as well yeah yeah admittedly we just had a new expansion release so like that could breathe some new life into the game but yeah this has been around for a few years uh i think the bigger the the, the bigger issue is that i don't think starcraft 2 can ever secure itself from these from from this uh because it's not there there's a there was a letter posted on team liquid from a former head of caspa uh the korean esports association which is kind of like the governing body of korean esports right right where he was like look you know, we can't work wonders. We're we're not a government organization. Uh, we, mm -hmm. You know, we we sort of have we have regulatory power basically because everyone agrees we do, uh, but they can't they, they they can't conduct major investigations by themselves. Uh, they, they can't really secure the scene. And and the the issue is that StarCraft is really vulnerable to this because it's a really easy game to fix. It is a hard thing to fix a five-on-five -five team game because someone's going to talk. It's going to be really hard right, to right. get five people to all agree, and actually really you're going to need ten people to all agree, plus probably some coaching staff. That's a hard thing to pull off. But yeah. in a one-off like StarCraft match, like who's really going to know? So especially when you have all these sort of B-tier tournaments, uh, it's a very hard thing to secure the sport from, from this kind of interference. The other thing, I'm not trying to defend life here, but, um, you know, last year I talked to someone who um, was running one of those, those sort of B and C tier tournaments. And he'd sort of been called out for it. And he had sort of, he had tried to figure out who exactly was sponsoring him, uh, who was putting mm -hmm. up the money for these prize pools, because uh, the theory was it was it was gamblers, and uh, sure. it, it certainly yeah. appeared in this case like it was it was gamblers as well. But the the thing that he pointed out is that none of these guys seem sketchy in in the way they approach you. They approach you as fans trying to help you out. They approach yeah. you as fans who who want to do someone a favor. Um, and so, like, you know, I'm not saying that Life didn't know what he was doing was wrong because, like, the moment a guy sort of gives you some cash and is like, hey, let me, you know, could you, could you introduce me to these two guys yeah. are about to play? Like, you know something's up. Yeah. But at the same time, the way a lot of these guys apparently make their, make their approach is very much as I'm a big fan. Uh, I want to do something nice for you. I want to support the scene. I know things are tough. These are some of my favorite players. Uh, oh, you need a little cash. Here's here's a little something, uh, and then later the the requests start coming in. That's that's what 
um, my contact on the tournament organizing side uh, sort of told me. I suspect it works similarly uh, for players. So, you know, the the thing, the thing, I think it's 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 kind of hasty to sort of imagine this as, uh, you know, life taking suitcases full of cash right, right, uh, to right. set this stuff up. There's a very good chance that life's role in all this is really like. Oh yeah, sure. I'll you know I'll put you in a Skype chat with a couple guys. You're we're all sure. friends here, yeah. And that that could be the extent of it. I don't know if life was actually like running around being like, hey, there's a quick way to make a buck. Yeah, uh, it's it's a it's a very it's it's a very porous scene, and the 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 gambling interests are very good at sort of getting their foot in the door. Yeah, and and it, it's the the most interesting thing to me is when you talk about not being able to secure the scene. Um, because we see these scandals happen kind of kind of again and again and each time it happens we're shocked but there's not necessarily any indication that the people who are within the scene are actually shocked by any of this it may be much more common than we even know you know th- this may be the case of like the korean authorities are able to take down a couple of people and and try to make a moral stand against what's going on here but it may be persistent it may be throughout the entire scene maybe everybody's doing this or something like that and they just happen to get life because they saw him as a a high profile target who might put a little bit of fear into these other players yeah i mean it could like also life it sounds like may have left a paper trail uh they got him if they got him with cash uh you know showing that he took took money to arrange this like he's that's certainly an easier charge to make stick uh, but this is not, you know, th- and this isn't even unique to uh, to esports, right? Like, or, or StarCraft. In the last story, the last week, we've seen a lot of allegations that, um, you know, there's increasing evidence that tennis at a pretty high level has had issues with match fixing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the 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 sense I'm getting from the reporting on the tennis match fixing scandal is that the reason there hasn't really been a scandal is because nobody really wants to look too deeply into this. Sure. Nobody like sure. these aren't these like no it's in nobody's interest to tell these stories as long as the the headline events or the headline matches are are run cleanly uh who really gives a shit uh you know what the what the 28th seed and yeah. the the 32nd seed did uh yeah. in the first round nobody and nobody wants to know uh so you know i i think with 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 StarCraft you're right there there's a possibility that there's there's even more of this going on than than we'd like to think uh but it's 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 sort of the nature of of one-on-one competition especially when you factor in things like um how top heavy uh the money is you know yeah. you've got you got a few a uh, very few haves and then a great many have nots and i think what really is shocking people is not that a starcraft player was caught in a scandal like this but that it was life and we tend to think well he wouldn't have needed the money so so why right. would he do it Right. It's like the richest man in town getting caught stealing a loaf of bread. You wouldn't care if it was the, the poor beggar who was just trying to feed his family. But when it comes to be to be life, that's totally different. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's pretty bad. Uh, and it's, you know, last year, like this is this is sort of there's sort of been a fear that something like this was coming. Right. Like there were there were some allegations about Marine King last year. Uh, that a lot of people feel that air was never completely cleared uh, yeah. because, you know, in part, like no charges were ever filed. He was apparently investigated and given a clean bill of health. Uh, and yet there are a lot of people, myself included, who've, who've watched the uh, the video replay of, of the match in question. Mm-hmm. And it's just uncomfortable, right? The moment you have allegations appear simultaneously with something that looks sketchy. Yeah. 
it's very hard to ever feel completely like okay about it again. Um, so it's, it's, it's an ugly moment, uh, in the scene. I think the scene will survive because I think the people who are still Starcraft fans at this point, they're (laughs) kind of in it for the long haul. Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah, I think there's also this, uh, a sense uh, sometimes that this just almost makes it more interesting for the Starcraft fans who are watching it right now. Cause there's all this drama going on and you get to learn more about what's going on behind the scenes of these organizations yeah. that you rarely get to learn about. But you know, we'll, we'll be watching that to see how it goes, see what actually happens to life and how the, how the scene actually rounds out. So finally this week, we actually do have some competition to talk about. It's not just all scandals this week as the Mars TV Dota 2 leak wrapped up in China. Uh, and I am completely unshocked to report that once again, we find team evil geniuses pulling up, second place in this tournament to uh the the, the reigning chinese champion ehome so i don't want to like sound the panic button or anything like that because <laughs> they keep finishing second but like how does this keep happening because yeah. like it's getting legitimately hard to tell whether evil geniuses are like the best dota team in the world like they they appear to be on paper like they should be mm-hmm. uh or whether they've become like master choke artists at this point, that's the question I think on everybody's mind, and I don't think anybody really knows how to answer that. Um, my instinct is always to give EG the benefit of the doubt. Um, it's the most unbelievably impressive thing happening in esports right now, right now that EG seems to always be in the grand finals of every Dota 2 tournament. Besides maybe Fnatic over in Counter-Strike, EG is the story of, of esports right now. Uh, but at a certain point, we have to start considering that it's not a coincidence that they keep losing these high-profile matches. Like, right when the spotlight gets strongest, they start to lose. Um, And we have to start wondering if there's something about this team that's causing them to choke in these big games. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if that's what happened at this particular tournament because they actually lost... Uh, two different sets against Ehome. They lost to them in the, I believe it was the quarterfinals of the actual bracket after the group stage. They lost to Ehome two to one. Um, And then they met them again in the grand finals and lost three to zero. So it seems like there was just something about Ehome that they really understood about this game that that EG didn't. They just didn't have as firm of a grasp on the game and they were able to kind of get wiped. Um, but, But as for whether or not EG is, is amazing or choking in these big games, we, we still don't know the answer to that. And we really probably won't know the answer to that until the Shanghai Major kind of settles the scores in Dota 2. Because until then, we don't really know how much of an effort all of these teams are putting toward any individual tournament. We talk about this all the time with Dota 2. But there is the sense, even in a big tournament like this, um, there is a sense that it's sort of, as you talked about earlier, kind of triple A ball. Like it, it's it's not the most important thing uh, going on. And there is very much a possibility that teams are holding back strategies or they're holding back, uh, they're kind of sandbagging for the actual tournament that's coming down the road. Um, But I mean, EG wasn't the only story of what was going on at this tournament. Like the one encouraging thing that happened here is that I think it showed a resurgent Chinese scene that wasn't really content to just kind of keep slipping down the rankings. Uh, China has historically been kind of roughly equal uh, with Eastern Europe as sort of the center of competitive Dota 2. Uh, Evil Geniuses in North America is kind of a kind of a freak occurrence. Normally there aren't good North American teams. Um, but ever since the International Five, we haven't really seen impressive ro- results from Chinese teams. They did very well at TI5, but since then they've really struggled. Um, and, and this tournament, being a Chinese tournament, 
was this really good home turf opportunity for these Chinese teams to get some practice uh, and show off what they can do on home soil. And, and it went really well for them. The eventual champion was a Chinese was a Chinese team, E-Home. Um, and Chinese and Western teams uh, split the top four positions as uh, Team OG and LGD Gaming rounded out the, the other podium finishers. Uh, so we're, we're kind of still just waiting to see what's going to happen at the Shanghai Major. Like all of this is is preamble to the Shanghai Major. Like we're just watching to see what happens when these Western teams fly all the way across the globe to go to uh, Shanghai and play Chinese teams on their home soil. And and the answer seems to be that it's a pretty solid tournament that's going to that's gonna come up. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that, uh, that, that all plays out. And I am curious, like, you know... Are we seeing much consistency around evil geniuses? Like you know, if you look at the if you if you look at like the top of top of the tables at each of these tournaments, is it the same people like each time in, in a loosely like in loosely the same order, uh, or is evil geniuses like presence at the at the at the at the second step on the podium, uh, is that kind of unusual uh, c- compared to everyone else right now? It's very unusual. The fact that EG is is constantly in uh, on the podium is, is very unusual. We don't see teams constantly repeating, like Ehome in particular, who won this tournament. We hadn't. I don't think that we had seen very much from them uh, since then. Um, and in in general, though, it, it's kind of hard to gauge Dota two until you get to the grand final, until you get to the majors, because the scenes of, of, of like the power structure of dota 2 is so far apart like geographically speaking that it's so hard to get them in the same room and play together um, and when they do play together a lot of times they're just like horribly jet lagged and they're not on their game because they're in this completely backward culture from compared to where they're from like you're talking about some some of these events taking place in in ukraine as opposed to shanghai yeah. you know these are startlingly different places that that you're not going to be comfortable just kind of hanging out uh and playing in and so it, it, it's not until the majors when you have you know three million dollars on the line and these teams can go and camp out in this city or something like that for for two to three weeks get their bearings and really make sure that they're putting up their best effort uh that we really get to see what the what the scene is like as a whole but so all that is to say that to see evil geniuses flying around the world going to all these different places and still finishing second place over and over and over again uh it, it is really to me and I might not, I might be alone in this, but to me is is a startlingly great performance from them. And I don't know if they'll ever win another tournament again. But this streak that they're <laughs> on, where they're constantly getting into grand finals, is deeply impressive. Uh, even though they they really do need to sit down and figure out what is happening here. Like there there is some kind of a leak in, in this boat. They're and it turning needs to be into the Buffalo Bills, like the Marv Levy, <laughs> like Jim Kelly Buffalo Bills of Dota Two. Yeah, it's just like this is this is kind of a thing that I think comes up, I mean, a, quite a lot in esports in general where you have these teams that they're really good. They're they're amazing. They're really good and they're really consistent, but they don't have those power spikes where they where they they vault over the competition and are just the best in the world, uh better than like twice as good as anybody for a week or something like that. That is a thing that happens constantly in esports. Um and you very rarely you have these these players or these teams who managed to consistently just show up and and do really really well every single tournament, but never walk away with the prize? You know, we talk about Sue all of the time. Uh, we talk about Navi over in uh, uh, in Counter Strike, and now we're talking about Evil Geniuses uh, 
in Dota 2. Although it, it does suck. It just sucks for evil geniuses that now they're turning into this like um, this this bridesmaid team uh, that, that everybody kind of makes fun of for not winning because they just won the largest yeah. tournament in the history of esports. And now they've turned into this like lovable loser type of team, yeah. which I'm not fully comfortable with. And I hope that, uh, you know, at, at the Shanghai major, they come out and they actually do something that reminds us why they're why they're considered uh, the top team in the world. Well, you keep finishing second at a bunch of significant tournaments. You're, you're still probably going to come out ahead on a lot of teams that managed to win one tournament oh, yeah. and then like manage a bunch of like top eight finishes like this kind of consistency is still yeah it, it, it's pretty it's pretty far from like lovable loser status yeah absolutely but that's kind of the way that esports yeah. runs though yeah. it's like if you don't win you're nothing you're the, no one cares and it's particularly rough on the individual leagues as well where there's 200 competitors and if you're not the number one player then no one cares what you did at that tournament yeah. um but yeah, anyway, so that's enough about the games of esports today. Now let's get to esports tomorrow. Uh, this is another relatively dry period for esports. Uh, we're still kind of getting into the swing of 2016. This week, this past week was really dry, and the next week is going to be just as bad. Uh, the Dota 2 world is kind of still gearing up for the Shanghai Major, but that doesn't begin for about a month, uh, the beginning of March. Uh, in fact, a lot of the, the esports world right now hinges on that first week of March. That's also when the next major Counter-Strike tournament is going to be. Uh, and that's really exciting as well because that's going to be like that, that first week of March is going to be insane. Um, because in Counter-Strike, this is going to be the first time in quite a while. And we've talked about this a lot, but the first time in quite a while where like all of the major Counter-Strike teams are going to be competing at the same time. So at this particular tournament, we've got Fnatic, Navi, Envious, Australis, who I believe is the old uh, Team Solo mid team uh, before they went through a lot of problems, the old Finnish team. Uh, and Luminosity as well, and uh, Virtus Pro, so uh, who has kind of been struggling, but they're still, I think, considered one of the top teams. And uh, it's going to be really interesting. But that's, again, not till the beginning of March. We're going to have to deal with a couple of really dry weeks before we get into the to, well, to the, the times of bounty. And to be fair, like we're a little dry in like big one-off tournaments. But this is a week where you've got things like Pro League uh, kicking off, which is which is really exciting, uh, despite what's what else is happening in StarCraft sure. right now. Yeah, uh, like it's turning into a really interesting uh, League of Legends season, uh, particularly as some of the teams that people really thought would be great. Uh, like origin are kind of uh, are, are kind of in free fall uh, compared to expectations so it's you know it's an it's an interesting time and it's probably going to be more of this in the future right where you're going to have weeks where there's no big uh, giant yeah. festival type event uh, there's yeah. just a lot of ongoing uh, you know weekly play yeah and that, that's a really interesting place and it's a really like to me a very nice and comfortable and warm place for esports to actually get to <laughs> where we're not we're not trying to deal with uh some marketing company telling us that this latest event that's that's going on is going to change the world it's the it's the foundation of the year in esports this mlg or this dream hack or this iem or whatever it happens to be uh or the world cup of esports or whatever uh we can actually get down to business I and mean, now we're like it's it's it, it's like the 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 mixture is separating and now we yeah. know what the top things are and what things we actually need to be paying attention to. And that's a really good place for esports to be. Anyway, that'll do it for this edition of Esports Day, an Idle Thumbs podcast produced by Michael Hermes. Until next week, if you have any esports questions, you can shoot them over to us at questions at esports.today. We'll be back next week to discuss the past, present, and future of esports. For Andrew Gruen, this is Rob Zachney signing off. Welcome to this edition of Esports Today for February. Hmm. February is a hard word. Oh, it's a stupid month.